When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. is going on bar down breakdown episode 182 and today we are joined by our homie anthony from the hardcore band resistor based off of long island new york anthony what is going on brother what's going on thank you for having me hey Hell yeah, man. so pumped up i'm ready to go <laughs> i'm ready to go too man i woke up and got some bagels i got my coffee and we got an islander game tonight so like had to do the whole Long Island experience. I even got some leftover Sicilian pizza that I'm going to fire up tonight before I head into my meetup. Nice. Yeah, man. And I, I know a lot of people on Long Island are going to be listening and be like, oh, that you can't talk about pizza and bagels in North Carolina. I'm going to be completely straightforward. The pizza and bagels in Charlotte, North Carolina can compete with Long Island. And I'm, I'm just putting it out there. It's just as good. I heard it because they bring the water over there. 
there are there are some people that say that um i i know that that's like the big thing long islanders like to say oh it's the water that makes the bagels and i i can see that however i think it's the the correct process of like boiling the bagels then baking them using the correct mixture for an everything bagel that has you know the big salt in it whereas some bagel places you know outside of long island don't have the correct everything bagel mixture the best one if when you come back uh bagel boss they have the best ones yeah shout, shout out to donald from you know blue line deli and bagel boss it's kind of the same thing i uh actually have not had the chance to go there as well i i when i was talking to you like how before we started recording how i haven't been to ubs yet it just goes to show i have not been to long island and actually the last time i was there was for my co-host wedding you know tom vicario so it's going on a couple of years at this point nothing has really changed at all it's a place but you gotta love it because the people that are from here they really do love the fact that they're from here i can't I even said it to you right off camera. I was like, I don't know why I had the opportunity to move. And I moved, and I moved five minutes away from my other house. <laughs> Next town over. Long Island is a weird place, man. It's hard to describe it to people that are not from Long Island because it really is just like town after town after town that has 15 bagel places in it, 15 pizza places, strip mall after strip mall after strip mall. But yet every town is a little different from itself. It's just such a weird place. I was telling my wife, like, yeah, you know, when we we go home for Christmas, there's a Deer Park ravioli. And she's like, wait, what? There's a just a ravioli place? And I was like, yeah, and it only can exist on Long Island. Like, that's the only place in the world where for 50 years a ravioli store can make it. It's like I just moved to this town, so the big deal of yesterday was trying to find uh, the new pizza spot and the new Chinese spot. <laughs> as long as it doesn't give you a stomachache the next day, you found the right spot. <laughs> I had one in Merrick that I used to get food poisoning for 15 years straight, and I just kept going back to it. <laughs> so that, that, that's some Long Island commitment right there, man. Jeez. <laughs> It's all about yelling at people getting sick over Chinese and pizza and sitting in traffic. That's all it's about. Touche. Well, Anthony, you boys just got back from tour. Uh, why don't you fill us in? How many days was it? Who did you uh, hit the road with? We were about we were out for about two weeks with this band called Luca from uh, Chicago. They're like a mix of, uh, you could say, like metalcore, uh, kind of like counterparts-ish where, it, you know, it's... I'm like losing the words, but you know they're they're melodic, melodic hardcore type of stuff. But they're they're pretty damn good, and they're awesome people to be with. And the whole trip was absolutely fun. Um, yeah, can't, can't wait to go back out with them. And they got the one the hard way about Long Island too. The the whole tour is smooth and simple, but the dates that revolve around the Long Island date, you have to plan it out completely. You have to leave the night before, sleep somewhere. So you can get into the island early, so you're there on time. And then after the show, you can't even stay. You got to leave so you can actually get off the island, or you're going to be stuck on the island for another extra four hours. It's always like that. Like whenever we leave for tours, we, we always have to leave the night before, only because of counting of traffic the next day. It was horrendous. Yeah, our other co-host Justin from the band Out of Time, 
almost missed his show at AMH because of exactly that. <laughs> it's just it's... Long Island traffic. And I think they stayed in Brooklyn the night before and get in from Brooklyn to AMH. They sat in hours and hours Ow. of traffic. I, I remember we found out the hard way. And this is a funny story, but my bassist hates when I tell it because <laughs> it always makes them look bad. But So we knew the first show of a certain tour, the first day was in Baltimore. Baltimore is a solid four or five hours away from here. It's not too bad, but the problem with it is that you have to leave at a certain time or you're not going to make it on time. So I told everyone, be at my house, 9 a.m., no later, on the road, that's it. So at 9.15, I got a phone call from my bassist that he had to take a dump. <laughs> so he's ready, ready. And I'm like, all right, nine, almost 10 o'clock, I got another phone call. I'm stuck in my driveway and I can't back out the van and trailer. <laughs> like, Jesus. Because of that extra hour, it took us an extra four hours to not see the Empire State Building anymore. That's oh how miserable the traffic is. And it wasn't even just getting off of Long Island, then through the city, and then through the Bronx. And then once you're following in Jersey, then you're sitting in traffic over there. Too, so it never ends. It's true, man. And I make the drive every couple of years from Charlotte to, to Long Island. And you talk about having the plan for that, you know, getting to New York at the right time. And for some reason in Pennsylvania, there was just a couple of miles of construction that set my timeline like a couple of hours back. So then I hit Long Island at rush hour. And after being on the road for 10 hours, the last thing you want to do is go, you know, 40 miles and it take four hours. <laughs> but that's kind of what it's like, man. It's it's brutal. It, it, yeah, and I, had, I got it the worst last year. We came back from the Buffalo trip. We went to go see the Islanders play up in Buffalo. There was a whole whole little group of us. So we all left in separate cars. Left at 6 a.m. just so we, when we hit one hours in that sweet spot. And because there was a little bit of traffic to G-dubs, it took over an hour, two hours, actually, from the GW back to like to Merrick, and that's normally like a thirty-minute drive. <laughs> yeah, man, it it's unreal. But we'll 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 save our traffic reports for another day. <laughs> but Anthony, I guess let's let's dive into a little bit of the origination of Resistor. Um, you know, I I pride myself on being a part of the Long Island music scene. I mentioned that I'm kind of the pop punk guy the big hardcore band that was kind of doing things on Long Island when I was going to shows was Antarabe. So that's how, <laughs> how back I'm, I'm going. So I guess, tell me a little bit about how resistor started um, and your origination story. Well, resistor started cause I was at, I was in retirement for 10 years. I told myself I'm, I'm done, done playing music after my last touring band. I, I left. Um, I just needed a break. I, cause we did, my old band was called Kills and Throws. We toured literally around the world, and it was like nonstop, 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 to a point where it was like, I, I, I don't have this in me anymore. I want to go back to school. I, I miss, you know, I want to go back to games. I want to see my friends, and you know, so I got to do that. And then I told myself I'm never going to go back. And lo and behold, I, I told myself I'm not going to, you know, play music. But then I ended up playing music. We started Resistor. I told myself, we're never going to take this too seriously. We started playing a lot of shows. 
And I told myself, we're never going to start touring, and here we are leaving every month on tours. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm kind of like not following my own recipe, but it, it's fun. You got to go with the flow. And, you know, the band started with all of us just as friends. Um, and that's something I never really got to do. And, you know, over time, the band evolved into what it is now. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a blast. And, you know, we're writing our own style of music. We have a turntable guy. We have a... Uh, you know, a little bit, little bit different. So it's not just straight up parkour or deathcore or anything like that. It has a more of a groove to it, and it's just more from the influence from every guy. Um, original drummer, he was like a big Nickelback guy. Our uh, our bass player was like a big uh, Thrice Clash show type of guy. And me, I listen to everything, and I love the biscuits. <laughs> That's where I got the turntable idea from. So we had. I love that. And it's been a blast having having uh, all those guys. So. You know, just keep strong, keep it going, keep it booking. Um, we're about to go into the studio next month, uh, record again, and just keep touring right after that. Totally off topic. We've had dogs on the show. We've had cats on the show. <laughs> you, you're the first one to bring out a bird, and I love this. <laughs> this is Tiki. I have four of them behind me, so let's tell you off camera. It, it's like a mess back here. I Literally, we bought the place right before i left for tour had to move all the stuff in here before i left for tour left for tour and just got back so i'm starting to put away everything and building little homes and stuff but as of right now you see the got bird cages all back there that one right there and the other side got the other one so so you're a bird guy i was never a pet guy the pandemic did this to me <laughs> so out of the pandemic came your love for birds and resistor, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> things, things I never wanted to do again. <laughs> Here I am. And then uh, what happened with the birds, it was, we, you know, we all lost our jobs and we all lost, like, places to live. So me and my girlfriend were living in Brooklyn. And we both, the first week lost our jobs. I was like, I guess we're going back to Long Island now. And my sister uh, lost her job, so she moved back in also. So it was all of us cramming to this little house. And it was my niece's birthday, and they got her one of the parakeets that were over there, and she didn't take care of it at all, and they ended up getting in place, and they're about to move, but they also have, like, three cats and a dog and this and that, and I was like, that's a death sentence for the poor bird, so I'll just take the bird. She doesn't even take care of it. I, then I got the bird a friend, and then I went to the pet store to buy bird food for the two birds, and then I met the other one. He was chirping for me and screaming for me, so I bought him. And then he needed a friend, so that's where this one came from. And he's just nestling onto your big beard. I love it. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So um, let, let's go back to Resistor because I'm very easy to get off topic. But um, I, I guess you, you mentioned how you guys incorporate a, a little bit of the, the turntables, which was the first thing that I picked up on because kind of like pop punk music, you know there is a, a formula and a, after a while kind of sounds like every band's the same right mm. and i i kind of get that with hardcore at times too um but that was the one thing that kind of made you guys stand out to me right off the bat was like oh man they got turntables in this and <laughs> yeah so do you bring that out on the road too yeah yeah our, our dj now is uh anthony rc he's badass because Friends since we were kids and stuff like that, and we're all from the same scene. Um, he he picked up turntables like like no other. He was a guitar player originally and he wanted to be in resistor. I was like, Well, we got a spot for the turntables, 
sudden he picked it up in less than two months, and now he's a pro at it. <laughs> oh, sick. So he taught himself how to do it because of this? Yeah, because he wanted to be in the band, which was awesome. And then he started pulling stuff out, and I can't wait for people to hear the new material. It's 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 even groovier and a lot more turntable influence and a lot more uh, bouncy. So it's not even we're not even in that metal realm anymore. It's kind of like influenced by everything. So our guitar player is a big pop punk guy. He, he so a lot of his influence, the way he writes, is kind of on that pop punk structure. That's why it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, and then ending. A lot of our songs. Um, yeah, he's like big in the Capstan, Belmonts. Uh, okay. I'm trying to remember the other ones. We, we've actually had Belmont on the show, not Capstan. Oh, no, we have had Capstan on here, too. Both of those bands have been on this show. Oh, that's a good story I could tell you. So in that same realm, have you ever heard of a band called uh, Brigades? I have heard of them, yep. Yeah, they're actually from Charlotte. So our friend Dom's in, in the bass player. He's in that band. And uh, at the time, Conti, our guitar player, he was very, very young during our first tour. He, I don't even think he was 21 yet. And his first tour was like two years ago, and one of the first dates ever was in Charlotte, actually. And Dom came, and you know, Conti's like this little kid, and he's like all like fanboying out. And he sees Dom come up, he's like, Oh, no way, it's Dom for Brigades. And we're all laughing there, we're like, Yo, Conti, go take a picture with him. <laughs> so we have all these embarrassing pictures of them together, like Conti's face is like full red, all embarrassed and shit, but <laughs> it's good times. Love that. So I guess let's talk about uh, those two cities and the music scene. Um, the venue here in Charlotte that I go to the most is, is Skylark, which reminds me so much of AMH. Do you get that vibe as well? The guy that owns Skylark, well, is it, is, does he own or he was one of the managers, Pete? He used to be involved with AMH. I did not know that. I, I found that out from one of the first times that we played there. Um, yeah, Pete, he was involved with AMH a long time ago before it was VP South. That, that's oh, wow. How long ago he goes. So oh, it's so weird. Like, everybody from the Charlotte area has something to do with New York. Like, Dom from Brigades that I was telling you about, he's from right over the river upstate, I believe. Uh, my old merch guy, Dave, from when I was in Kills and Thrills, he lives in Charlotte now and he helps us book a lot of the shows and he works at Skywalk. Was from Merrick on Long Island. Wait, same are town. You Dave Natal. Yeah, he's from Merrick. I know Dave. I know Dave. He yeah. comes to our meetups all the time. Yeah, he was like Master Splinter. So I said that too. <laughs> yeah, like he's, they're all from Long Island, so there's like a big a Long Island root in Charlotte. That's why it kind of feels like a little, little mini Long Island. And a lot of the people there I've known for such a long time. Like him, Jefferson, I've known for a long time. Jefferson Monroe. Uh, actually, he gave us old tattoos in the middle of the night the first, that first tour. Good stuff. So one thing that I, I kind of have realized is that the Long Island music scene has a lot of vacancies. There's not many play- venues that are putting on shows from the alternative scene anymore there's there's like a massapequa vh vh uh vhw and then there's the amh and that's pretty much it and uh shakers shakers okay yeah it's a whole normal bars there's no more 
you know, bigger venues for like bigger bigger bands come through anymore. There's no more downtown, no more crazy donkey. Molly Blooms is done. Revolution's done. Every everywhere's done. It's, it's kind of unbelievable. It's a little it's a little scary because now I notice like why bands don't come to Long Island. I always wondered as a kid, but now when you do it, you the amount of money costs and tolls, how out of the way it is, the amount of traffic you gotta do, just booking around it, it's a pain in the butt. And then on top of that is a lot of times Long Island could be hit or miss shows. It took us four years for us to know that shows are gonna be pretty decent on Long Island. But before that, you know, people you know, it's it's a weird spot. That's why you kinda love hate Long Island. It's kinda like kinda like the island fan base a little bit. I'm not even kidding. I'm not, not, I'm not trying to put the two together, but it, it does remind me of it. It comes in waves. You know, it comes like if the islands are doing well and there's something to talk about them, like everybody's going to be there. But, you know, during the Richard Park era, there was nobody. You know? Dude, you just became my favorite. Mentioning my, my homie Richard Park. That's actually my favorite Islander. It's, it's unbelievable to think, but I think exactly what you said, you know, there was some of those dark years, especially leading up to us drafting Pajama Boy, where it seemed like the team was just cashing it in, getting their pay paychecks, and didn't really care about playing for the Islanders, except for for like Richard Park during those years. Like he's the only one that seemed to care and to take pride in being an Islander. And there was a couple. Martinic was another one. I cared a lot. Comrie didn't give a rat's ass. He was, nope. He just. Was there just to show face? Yeah, besides Richard Park, you, I mean, that was the Manny at Andrew McDonald era. Yeah, don't even cared either. A lot of these guys they didn't care. Actually, no. completely right about it. they just cashed in and that, that was it. You know, but then it also reflected a lot with the fan base and reflected a lot with the building and what everything was going through. But I mean, there was still a charm to it, though. You know, there there was like that underdog feeling, which I I, I do miss. A little bit with the team, but yeah, I I think that's kind of a perfect way to de- to describe Islander fans. It's just we have a chip on our shoulder where the underdogs always just be based on like ge- geographically where we are. You know, we have another major, you know, NHL team right in our backyard, and then the Devils across the river. Like, it's it's, it's definitely either. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's, I mean, it's cool to see the team doing well now and people respecting the team for what it is. Um, but, you know, I just hope it doesn't come back the other way. That's the only thing I'm afraid about. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to dive into your Islander fandom as well. Um, but before we do that, I do have to let everyone know about our sponsor, DraftKings. So NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and points totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to for when betting on the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pre-game money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Use promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, yeah, Anthony, let, let's dive into a little bit of that, of that Islanders talk. Um, you know, obviously, you got your Islanders hat on right now. Um, when, when did you really become hooked on the team? 95-96. That's around the time. The only reason I remember because I was kindergarten, first grade. I remember we were picking teams, and I wanted to be different. I picked the Islanders, and I fell in love with the Fisherman logo. So, for me, that's the first logo I've ever seen for an Islander. And I latched on to Tommy Sala. He was he was like my absolute favorite. Him and Eric Fashard. Because I think the reason why I love them too the most because I met them in person. And I guess that reflected on me so much because uh, they used to do the signings at the Freeport Rec Center. And for like 20 bucks, they would sit there at a table. We used to sign the products, autograph, everything. And when I met them too, I, I just, you know, I got hooked on the team ever since. And then uh, I've been seasons with my family for so many years. Even through the 20 years, I was still seasons. And then I just transferred them over myself with the BOA and you have been season tickets now for definitely over 20 years. Long so long. one thing that I do like to talk about on the Isles meetups podcast is, is that fisherman era because that's also really when my fandom for the Islanders took off as well. And I guess we're about the same age. So a lot of, the dynasty era fans like to poo poo it and say like, you, you, you're, you're not a real fan if you like that logo, but here you and I are, you know, when we're first falling in love with the game and that's the logo we associate with the New York Islanders. So like, I, I, I just, I don't get that argument that the team wasn't good. So that's why we can't like the logo. And I, for one, am super excited to see that logo back on the ice. I know like they had it in a warm up jersey a little while ago one of those. yeah but now like for them to actually wear it in the game and seeing like maddie and and, and anders lee wearing it and bailey wearing it it's going to be a, a really cool thing to see i don't know this is what people hate on everything they're always going to complain about something if you ask me i have that i'm actually wearing the fisherman shorts right now i have a fisherman tattooed on me I think this is the sweetest logo ever. <laughs> that logo is so badass, especially with the passions with the lighthouse. Oh, yeah. It's so clean. It's so badass. It's so different. Even the numbers, depending if it's on the left or the right of the jersey, the numbers are completely different. The way that the fonts are, it's just everything about it. It's just. And we were just talking about players actually gave a crap about being on the team. Like, yeah, the team wasn't good. Yeah, there was all the Spanish stuff, but all the players that were there. They gave a rat's ass. They were there for the fans. I, I can tell you right now, I met Brian Barrard, Brian McCabe, Tommy Sauer, Rashad, Zinn Balfi, like all these guys, they care. And a lot of these guys, they wore the other crest too, and they wore the other crest right after. So it's I, – I, I don't know. It, it's just like one of those things where you're not allowed to have fun at the party, you know? You got to sit in the corner. You got you to gotta drink the martini. You're not allowed to crack open the beer, you know? It's one of those things. I just, it's fun. Let, let the guys have fun. The players love it. The fans love it. Just, I mean, the main age group of the people that that are buying tickets now is uh, is our age group. No, I agree, and I, I think that's what the, the team has realized is that the people spending money now to go to games and to buy jerseys and whatnot are that eighteen to you know forty market and yeah. and. 
I don't think dynasty era fans are necessarily reaching in their pocket to buy new jerseys at this point in their life because no, when I mean, I'm when I'm 65, 70 years old, I'm not going to be buying <laughs> new jerseys. It's just <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> I wish I wish my place was set up. I'll show you exactly how bad my my jersey collection is. <laughs> I, they had a they had to build a, a walking closet in this place just for my jerseys. So bad it is. And yes, I will be there November fifteenth to pick up a couple of those fisherman jerseys. Hell yeah! The only the only knock I have on it, teal. and I, I do wish there was more teal, but the stripe, it like it does the wave in the front, but then it doesn't connect when it goes around back. It does. It does connect. It does. I, so they hang they hang one up at at, at the Eisenhower Park theme store. I guess that picture that they use was just a bad picture or like a, like a protocol or whatever. What? The, why would they? Because that was what, that was literally why I was not going to buy the jersey is because it just looked off. Yeah, no. So you're telling me that the actual one does connect? Yeah. That's terrible marketing. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. So the the promos and everything that they released and their first looks weren't even the actual jersey. You're talking about who they were. You're talking about the girl that was that was uh, standing sideways. Where you see that? Yeah. The way that can happen too, the girl was like super skinny, wearing like a super big jersey. So like, you know, sometimes they'll like crimple it inside for photography. Like they'll plug it a little bit just to, so it looks like it fits better. Jeez, man, that that that's just blows my mind. But I'm glad that you told me that it does connect in person because don't, don't um if you order it, don't get the numbers. I don't know how crazy you are with the jerseys. For some reason, they charge you full price. And they're heat pressed on numbers and letters. If you if you bring it back to them afterwards, they'll send it out to get stitched. Okay, but they don't tell you that on the website. <laughs> Good to know. I, I, what about the ones that they're going to be selling actually in Isles Lab? It's the same thing. It's, it's heat pressed, so you have to send okay. it back out to get it uh, stitched on. Jeez, yeah, and those heat press numbers and stuff. After a while, or even after you like wash it once, they start peeling up. And- yeah. It's a shame. Okay. Uh, I'm like crazy when it comes to my jersey stuff. <laughs> Good <laughs> to know. It has to be right. So you, you did kind of mention that Salo was a, a, a big uh, part of your fandom. Would you say he is your all-time favorite Islander? Trevor Gillies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that's, that's kind of right up there with Richard Park, a, a kind of irrelevant <laughs> Islander, but yeah, he left it all on the ice, and he was a and warrior. He's still, and he's still and he's still loose with the Islanders hard. So like he he posted me up a couple times on his Instagram. So I, I do like graphic design. So I designed like one of the NHL logos, like the video games with him on it. And he loved it. He shared. He's always sharing stuff like when I'm wearing his jersey at games and stuff. And still to this day, he like whenever we're in the playoffs, he's like rooting hard for the blue and orange, and he's he still lives it. I feel like he would be a fan of your music too. Like, yeah. <laughs> something about him just makes me think that he might actually dig you guys. I should just send it to him, but I get nervous. You know, it's like one of those things. It's like a guy that I, I grew up like looking up to. <laughs> so who let, let's let's just have a little fun here. Who, who do you think on the current Islanders roster would be down with would be down with resistor? Probably Clutterbuck or Zekas. Yeah, or, that, that was my guess. I'm trying to see who who else would be. I can see a lot of them listening to country music. Oh yeah, 
It's unfortunate <laughs> that that is definitely what most of them listen to. I don't even want to think about what Barzy listens to. It's probably trash. <laughs> we, I can see having it at the time. We, I can see liking it. Yeah, I could see that too. I could see that. I, I think the sleeper would be Varley. I feel like well, Varley I mean, and Russian, Sorokin, Russian, like, you know, Russians can, can sometimes be uh, all over the map. Yeah, I can see that now. I'm going to try to find a way to get to I was trying to get it, the music played, like, without vocally, like, you know, like, sometimes before they drop the puck and stuff. I was very close to making that happen. And I actually was about to send out the music to get the vocals taken out of it. But then uh, they couldn't do it anymore. So I tried getting the Riptide to do it, and then they couldn't do it either. That, that, I'm going to make it happen, though. That's the goal. See, that that's where the Islanders need to have a little fun and have – Detroit does it. There's so many teams that do it. So many teams. The Dallas Stars do it. The Florida Panthers do it. And I, I think the Islanders team needs to realize how influential the Long Island music scene is and how many, because, you know, I've, I've done this show for 182 episodes, how many legit fans of the New York Islanders are also creating fantastic music. Like, I'm so sick of hearing, like, the Billy Joel being shoved down our throats and keep trying to push that narrative when Billy Joel does not even care about the New York Islanders. Ranger fan. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, stop trying to push that. Like, yeah, he p- played all those sold-out shows at the Coliseum, but that doesn't mean he cared about the Islanders. I where, wish- you know, Envy on the Coast, right in your backyard, Merrick, like, those guys are huge Islander fans. We got, um, obviously, you guys. Um, yeah, we, we have a, a bunch of Long Island bands right now, especially who are huge Islander fans. And it would be cool if they started playing some of your music in the arena. I don't see why they can't do that. There's a lot of things they do now that I wish they I kind of blows my mind now. But I, I think it's the way that they're trying to market the team now. It's not really blue collar anymore. That's the one thing I'm kind of a little upset about with them. Um, that's where you don't get the same vibe anymore for them. But I, I wish that, I mean, they recognize that they actually do have fans that are doing other things that, you know, they, they do recognize like certain things, but then they, you know, there's other things that they kind of like, you know, they don't really want to be involved with that. I mean, for us, like we had a music video shot in the parking lot. We had a whole tailgate thing with the Blue and Orange Army uh, for music video. It's, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll keep on, I'll keep knocking on doors. I'll make that happen. Yeah. And I, I was going to start pushing because, uh, the, the leader of Isles Meetup Queens is Andrew Builder, who's in Sweet Avenue, which is a fantastic band. And I was like, next time he's at a game, like they should play some Sweet Avenue. And I was going to start reaching out to the people that I know that can make that happen. You want to hear how small Long Island is? So, so Builder, I've known for a long, 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 long time. But you can go there. So you got Builder, who is bass player, is Pacini, who his face is tattooed on my leg. <laughs> <laughs> That's so small that is. I love that. <laughs> Good stuff. So you, you mentioned your music video that you shot at your tailgate. It's for most hated. Do you feel like Islander fans are the most hated? Is that why you wanted to do the video at at a blue and orange army tailgate? Everyone complains about us. <laughs> but I mean it's a, it's a lot of good fun, you know. I mean, at least we're not as terrible as the Flyer fans. I don't, I don't know if you have any Flyer fans that you know, but 
they're pretty rough. Like, but at least with us, we just we just get on the people's skin because no one expects us to be anything good. And when we come over there and prove people wrong and just keep winning, and you know, that's that's the nice little 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 chip right there. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a lot of fun to shoot that video over there and to show a little bit of the um, the culture, what it was like. The only thing that sucks when we were filming that one, you could definitely tell the culture is a little. It's a lot more different now than it was at the Coliseum. Like at the Coliseum, we would have had an absolute blast with no problems. We got yelled at like four times shooting that video. Oh, so you shot that video at at the UBS yeah. parking lot? Yeah, actually, okay. the for the first game. Oh yeah, because they were making a big stink about no tailgating, and I don't know, are they really enforcing that this year? It depends on the day. I, I've I've been the games where they yell at you, and I've been the games where they don't say nothing. So it it really depends. It's there's there's cops that are in the parking lot that go up and down the, the aisles that just you know are there the busher bulls, but that's really it. Which is it's just shame because I remember all my life, even from high school on college, everything that was like the thing. Like the tailgate was like. 10 times more fun than actually being at the game. We, we would race to see who would get there first. And I remember those days where I had friends out there at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., just starting tending it up, like going hard the whole day. And now it's can't really do that anymore. Yeah. But by the time you even get there, the game's already about to start. That is true. And then I guess the reason tailgating was so huge for Coliseum games is because what was your alternative? Go to the hotel and go into champions or whatever. Like yeah, that was a tailgate too, <laughs> but that was like the only option. And like on certain games, it would be such a zoo in there that you wouldn't even want to try to get a table at champions. So like your only other option was to tailgate where UBS they're, they they have their own bars and restaurants that are in the area, so they're they're trying probably to push that rather than have people tailgate and not spend money in the arena. Yeah, but that's it's part of the culture, you know. It's like that's one of the things. Like if I if I was ownership and I'm looking back on it, I'll make sure the first thing you do, like when you when you design a new aspect or a new thing or a new building or anything, is like you have to look down with what are the basics of like what the culture stands for, and that tailgating is it's a huge part of being an Islander fan. It's like taking away tables and, and the parking lot away from Bill's Mafia. It's the same thing. You can't you can't do it. And it's really it's a shame because now there's a new generation of Islander fans that are growing up that don't really know how hard the Islander fan base can go. And I, I miss those good ones. Like you used to see us on Barstool Sports, and it'll be like one well, Islander fan in the snow, like five thirty in the morning, waiting for the to start at seven p.m. <laughs> It was like stuff like that. It was all of us out there, rain or shine, blizzard, this, that. No one cared. Like, we were out there. And now you don't see it anymore. But hopefully it'll come back. Now, how did how did you link up with the Blue and Orange Army? Is that where your season tickets are now? I've been up there since 2010, so like a year after they formed. Okay. Like I've, I've known Tom for a long time, Lafaso. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked at Hot Topic together when I was touring. Okay. Both got fired together. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was for my accident. Put the back room on fire. I'm trying to make popcorn. <laughs> so we, we've known each other for a long time, and I would just have seats like everywhere, like in random spots. And just one day, he was like, "Why don't you just come up and sit with us?" And I was like, "He's like, nah, I don't want to go up there. It's too far." But then, you know, you you create like a little family up there, and I've been up there ever since. You know, they're always with open arms, like. You know how many weddings I've been to from people up there, and how many friends? Well, like friends I'll have forever, and 
you know, that's one thing that the Bull and Orange Army gave me, and there was always like a like a purpose, a place, uh, you know. Every there with open arms, doesn't matter who it is walking up the stairs. Every single person is a chant going up the stairs. And that that's one thing I, I I'm happy that the Islanders finally recognized and they recognized everybody now, which is a cool part. Well, I was gonna say, like your your seats in UBS are, are pretty prime. And I feel like the Islanders did take notice on that aspect and like having the, the rails and making it like standing room only, like that's pretty sweet that they did that. It is. It's a mixture of both, though. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, though. So, like I said, I have not been to UBS yet. So, like, all I'm going based on is what I see on TV. So, where I'm based on is how how could you be the absolute loudest in that building? So, you want to be in a tight little nook of an area where, like, the sound will just travel across the place. Like, at the Coliseum, when I used to do the 316 chant, you could actually hear specifically me on the opposite side of the Coliseum. Now, because where it is, it's like an open back and it's like a big open place and everything. So you can't really hear anything unless like everyone's going. But that's that's the one thing I do miss. And that's just me being nitpicky, like super nitpicky. And like location-wise, being right under that tailgate bar, it seems like whenever they do any pregame ceremonies or anything like that, it's like Honestly. right above you guys. So like... You guys are front and center on the broadcast like all the time. And there's a resistor flag hanging up back there too. <laughs> I love that. So do you have a lot of crossover where when you guys play shows of like AMH, like the Blue and Orange Army? Oh, come they're, out? All they're all there. Every time, every time we play home, they're all there. So then like you must have a sellout every time you play AMH because it, it probably only has like a so 200 far. or 250 cap, right? So so far, the past two times, every three times, yeah, because we we try not to play Long Island that often. So like when we do, it is a little bit more special. Um, I'm always trying to look at different areas to play, different you know, trying to stay on the road, trying to stay active. But when we do come home, you know, it's like its own little festival in itself. Like all the buddy bands come together, everybody comes out. It's like a whole big thing, and it's a shit ton of fun every time. <laughs> So do you guys mix with some of the, the pop punk bands? And, like, I know Dr. Acula's back. Like, are you guys playing shows with some of those bands? Yeah. So believe it or not, so we actually do have, like, a big fun in pop punk. So my guitar player is a big pop punk guy. Our new drummer is actually from a pop punk band also, playing Heroes. We played with them a couple times, too, as well. Um, and their bassist went to our buddy's band, Senso. So it's, it's like... The pop on Long Island, the pop punk world, the hardcore world, the metal world—it's all the same, same group of people. So it's it's everything's more intertwined over here. So it's I, I like it that way because it's more creativity from different angles than it is just from like this is hardcore music. This is what you have to be. Um, I just want to take influence. Like the way the day that we can not be labeled as a metal band would be like the best day because then it's like I, I just want to be something different and just keep growing and try to be in that category. Touche, man. And I guess to, to wrap up the Islanders talk, you, you mentioned how you have the resistor flag hanging in the section at, at UBS Arena. Are you talking about the, the fisherman mock-up? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hanging right back there with the rest of the flags. Is, is that something that you whipped up? Yeah. <laughs> we had those in shirts and we had those in hoodies and they sold out like that. I love that. that. Yeah. Version of it for 2023. Yeah. A reverse retro version. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Good stuff, man. I love that. So um, before we let you go, I, I know you mentioned that you guys wrapped up in the studio or you're wrapping it up in the studio. Oh, we're about to go in. We're gonna oh, go you're about in. to go in. We're going to go in in January because we've been actually non-top, non-stop since June. We had a tour in June, July, August, September, October. Just got back from this November one. So December, we're going to you know chill out a little bit, ride a little bit. And then as soon as the beginning of January hits, we're right in the studio right there and then. And out there. Are you guys doing it locally? Is there a studio on Long Island you're going to be yes. going to? We're going to Anthony Lopardo at Westwood Studios in Farmingdale, I believe it is. Okay. A lot of, a lot of actually a lot of a lot of the bands that come out of Long Island go through there. Okay. Cool. I can't wait. I I'm not too familiar with that spot. I know that Farmingdale does have like that industrial part and that's <laughs> where a lot of bands used to have their practice studios like in the in the industrial part. So um, is that kind of where the studio is? There's this off of 109. The one that I know that you're thinking about, it's off of uh, it's kind of like Farmingdale, but Windhurst off of 109, but the uh, opposite side by Wellwood Avenue and stuff. Just like the old industrial over here. So we're going to be over by 109, but towards the Hempstead Turnpike side, I guess. We're over on over there. Okay. Good stuff. And, um, are, are you thinking a, a full length or an EP? So this one, the idea with this, we're going to be doing a split. So it's going to be two songs on the cover with another band. So we'll have two songs on the cover. They'll have two songs on the cover. And then next August, we're going to be doing our full length. So we're going to be keep writing, keep writing, keep writing, and touring and writing and trying to make, make something cool happen out of that one. So can you drop it on here? Who are you guys doing the split with? That we don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> There's a mix. There's a mix of a couple of bands. So once we get the okay from who who's ready for it, then that's where we'll go. Um, then the the following one, we're going to be recording that in New Jersey, actually, with Randy Wilbuff, who did a lot of the counterparts, uh, Kubacons, and all those bands, but with Will Putney. Um, that's next August. So that that's that's going to be a, a fun one. We're going to be living over there for a month. Hell yeah! And are you guys? Gonna shop that out to any labels, or is a label putting that out? Uh, as of right now, everything's been DIY. Uh, I've been trying to keep it as much DIY as possible. It's a little bit harder that way, but it kind of makes me feel like you know the underdog with it, like kind of like the Islanders a little bit. You know, like me myself, I'm our manager, booking agent, designer, <laughs> screamer, <laughs> so bird tamer. Um, so I try to. Keep- <laughs> everything uh you know in-house and, and the people that we work with is generally in-house um i mean as, as long as i can keep on progressing us and growing like i i like the other side of the business too so i like learning that aspect i like you know being able to represent us and being able to re- represent us the way that i will i want to be represented um have fun with it you know it's like i don't i don't want to add any more people there's too many people already <laughs> yeah and you know, speaking on on the pop punk side of things, like like I mentioned, that's kind of my area of expertise. I know that a lot of bands are going the route of singles, single after single after single. Um, are, are you thinking going in that direction, or are you like, nope, we're gonna release like a, a like bands used to do when we were going to shows and whatnot, like release the one single and then just put the album out there. I think you could stretch it out a little more. Like our last one, even though it was a it was a record. It, it was three singles before the whole thing came out. 
So you could just stretch it out just a little bit, you know, to keep people because the problem is with now is like if we put out a song today by next month is irrelevant already. So then the next ones will come out and then you know, vice versa. Um just keep on pushing it out like that, I think. And then the ones that we do, the max we put on records is like seven songs, anyways, at a time. Um, just try to keep it so that keep on constantly putting out more and more new music. Um, it's just a different time frame. It's a, it's a little bit different. Um, but also, I see the quality in it too. So you're not throwing out, you know, they'll have like a record and there'll be like three sleeper songs that are like not really that great. Um, it's the same thing. So you're just getting rid of the the fat that you don't really need. So now when you put out songs like you know separately, that every song has to you know count to the fullest. Which there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah, I agree for sure. Well, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, seeing some videos and footage from your next AMH show and having that pop off and just all things resistor. And I appreciate you coming and hanging on hanging out with us and i get my islanders episode every so often so actually getting to to fan out a little bit and talk about the team that means a lot to me hopefully it's also we, special and hopefully we take that w today too yeah so I, i'm i'm sure you're getting ready to to make your your voyage over there especially with how bad yeah, traffic so. can be and and having no trains running to the game tonight so you know, i'm just gonna pick up a couple of buddies grab a couple of beers and head over there <laughs> cool well tell all the blue and orange army i said what's up and uh like i said anthony it was definitely a, a blast hanging with you and uh we'll be in touch thank you so much absolute pleasure thank you again all right see you homie have a good one